0: The Geopolitics and Empire podcast is joined by Johnny Vedmore. He's an investigative journalist and musician from Wales. He writes for a number of outlets including Whitney Webb's Unlimited Hangout, for which he wrote the seminal piece Schwab Family Values. He just released a 15,000-word investigation titled The Welcome Five: The Proximal Origin of COVID Control. Welcome to Geopolitics and Empire, Johnny. How is new no- new normal life in Wales? yeah it's all very strange it's all like um i mean
1: everybody's felt it at the moment and it's really weird to be uh, in the independent media at this point this is a real special place to be this is a real special situation to be in because we've we've seen all of this happen we've followed it we've we've been uh tracing it As it's happened, we've been uncovering it as it's going. We've been learning more. We've been uniting that information together in a wider to a wider audience as much as we can. And now that the agenda is uh, this part of the agenda is coming to a abrupt halt, um, it was around. You know, it was pretty clear that at the end of December, um, Omicron was going to. burn burn through the population quite quickly. It wasn't going to be that bad. Uh, Of course, they were putting out all the propaganda saying the opposite. And and there was that feeling in January as we were coming up to the New Year's, and as New Year's happened, that there was really a new beginning starting, something real special, something where we can say, okay, well, we collated all of this information and this data for the past two years, and now we're going to hold you to account. And I feel that there's this weird situation I mean, in Wales, it, 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 it's it's uh, people realise that they're going to have to start talking about this. People who. Have avoided talking about this and who have kind of gone into that cozy bubble of the keywords and the scary words or the words that, that like conspiracy theory and anti vaxxers and all of the, the hatefulness against anybody who questions anything or maybe suggests that there may be uh, multiple conspiracies at play anyway. Um, they, they've, they've, they've really, like a lot of people, normal people, everyday people, have kind of retreated into the comfort zone that those sort of words give you that those sort of like um, ability not to communicate with others around you. And that's about to end. And you can feel it. And I'm having conversations now with people where you're really starting to see people saying, okay, now I'm willing to question things. Now I realise that something has just happened and I don't know what happened. I don't know. And, and it's a lot like um, uh, abuse victim or victim of uh, serious violent crime when they've been through something really, really traumatic and they, they can't really understand what's happened until years have passed. Well, years has passed and we're entering into a new stage, a real interesting stage. So Wales feels like, I think a lot of countries do at the moment, where you're right at the moment where the the rope that's been pulled and tense is just about to break and just about to rip apart. We're about to see something real new come out. And with that, um, their
0: agenda exposed much more. A message from our sponsors. The Nomos app will help you survive COVID-1984 and the Great Reset. Nomos is a time bank that can be used by communities anywhere in the world. You just need to talk people into using it. For example, if you go to your barber for a 30-minute haircut, your barber receives 30 minutes in his time bank. He can then use that time to pay for an appointment with the doctor. I've spoken to the developer who is passionate about creating solutions for surviving and thriving in the apocalypse. Nomos is available in both English and Spanish. Hurry and visit nomos.net before they roll out the cashless society and put you in the algorithm ghetto. Also, if you need health insurance that covers you wherever you may roam, check out my friend James Guzman's Borderless Health Insurance. One of the great things about living internationally is saving money on health care, but private care overseas can be expensive. Go to borderlesshealthinsurance.com to watch a short presentation on expat and digital nomad healthcare and sign up for a free consultation to review your options. Geopolitics and Empire needs funding. You can leave a donation book a consultation, or become a member, which gets you access to my brief weekly commentary, a monthly newsletter of my thoughts, a private telegram, a monthly member's group call, and my second premium broadcast called Dissident Thinker, where I conduct interviews and provide solo analysis. Dissident Thinker is also available on Rockfin and for supporters on Locals. I certainly do hope the rope breaks. That reminds me kind of what you are just talking about. I was hanging out with a neighbor over the weekend and a friend of my neighbor's and Uh, the friend of my neighbor's was very much with the new normal totalitarian ideology. And um, it was becoming obvious that I was not, but my friend, I literally two years ago, I told him everything that would happen up to this point, just as as you had the work you've been doing and many others. And my, my neighbor was vouching for me saying like, yeah, everything he said came true two years ago. And I think as you're saying, that's something we have working in our favor where this person has to shut up. Like if I was, able to successfully, if we can predict what's happening, then our hypothesis is correct and theirs is not uh, correct. Um, Maybe to start, for people who who missed it uh, or didn't read it, or simply to refresh our memories, you wrote what I think is an important piece on Klaus Schwab almost exactly one year ago. Um, I think it was February 20th, uh, 2021, and we're almost there. Um, You make, uh, in that piece, you make clear that Klaus Schwab's family uh, collaborated with the Nazis, um, which for me explains some of the underlying Nazi tones to COVID-1984. You know, everything from the Rockefeller reports that are behind much of COVID policy today. uh, We know that Rockefeller supported Hitler to COVID passports being developed by IBM. You know, which created the paper computer uh, mm-hmm. for the Nazi regime, and so on. Uh, maybe if you could just briefly—I will uh, put the link in the description—and encourage people to go back and read that article. Could you just, you know, briefly sum up who you think Klaus Schwab uh, is, and you know what is is his importance for you? Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Well, uh, let me first apologize if there's a couple
1: of puppy sounds in the background. My puppy's in the naughty place. She's been a very naughty girl, so you might hear a little bit of yapping here and there. Ignore it. She's in a safe place. Klaus Schwab, that article was really important, it was something that was clearly, uh, hadn't been researched, there was so many holes in the history of Klaus Schwab and it was Whitney Webb herself who said listen, this is silly, you do everything about family research about family history, about understanding the wealthy and powerful you should really concentrate on Klaus Schwab for a while take all of the time you possibly can, and she basically gave me two months of just complete concentrating on one article and on one process and it probably took me about five weeks of, of that two months to kind of really get to the nub of who he was and who um, the, the family were and then that rolled that of course snowballs once you've got the main information and really um, confirming definitely who his father was and who his, um, his line was it was going to be hard because a lot of the information had been covered up and censored for so 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 long um it, the the thing about klaus schwab is that he's in a very powerful position a position that we can't really understand about how much power he's got he's got such a large amount of power and such a big global uh, um a sway uh on the global scene on global politics and it was about time okay, let's find out who he is, and finding out that his father worked for a company called um in the 30s. And Escherweiss had been a company that had originally just been, you know, I think they'd made lace and uh, machinery and stuff in the 1850s uh, when Walter Zuppinger uh, first set it up. Um, uh, he's got an interesting history in himself. I mean, everybody involved in that country uh, company was very interesting. And this uh, German co- company, it was a German-Swiss company, Escherweiss, so part of it was based in the Swiss border but they had a big factory in Ravensburg in Germany and that allowed them to be able to um, kind of manipulate the politics to where they were were, were focusing certain attention so uh, eventually by the early 1900s Escherweiss would uh, be a company that would be making uh, big turbines for dams and for ships um, making a lot of the stuff which is like really industrially heavy leads massive turbines that completely Even today would be mind blowing to us that they were the the type of creation. So they were putting a lot of research into this. And by the 30s, um, obviously, when the the war was approaching, it was a model Nazi company. And Klaus Schwab's father, Eugen Schwab, was managing the Ravensburg factory where the parts uh, were being made for the heavy water production for the Nazi atomic Bomb program to uh, for, so they could be, beat the uh, um, Allied powers to the real. I mean, if anybody's ever played a game called Axis and Allies, which is a fantastic war game uh, that's really sprawling war game and um, mainly based in in World War Two, those other sections, you'll know that as soon as you've got heavy bombers, as soon as you've got the the atomic bomb, you've won the game. You know, you've won the game, and every, both sides knew that. There's interesting things about that. time as well during that time with the British and what the British and Americans were doing because um, of course the Americans would eventually drop the atomic bomb on Nagasaki and atomic bombs on Nagasaki and Hiroshima but um, the British actually uh, wanted the Americans to do a chemical um, warfare attack on Tokyo uh, instead of doing that so that would have been something that we we really would have remembered in history if they had gassed an entire the biggest city in Japan that would have been a a crazy moment. Uh, Going back to Germany and Asia Vice, yeah. Uh, Eugen Schwab mentioned this company. There was lots. Uh, eventually, of course, we know how the war went. And so um, he uh, was in a situation like many people who would work for nat- model Nazi companies at the time. He wanted to get out of Germany. That's eventually how I traced the family is like um, uh, about a decade and a half later, they're trying to run off to Brazil um, and trying to get uh, some sort of asylum out there. Asylum, I say, trying to move out there, just trying to move um, uh, country. Um, and they they, they uh, fail in getting um, the rights. It's also a lot of history about whether they were Swiss families or whether they were German. In actual fact, back in the 1800s, one of their distant relatives, so um, uh, Klaus Schwab's Uh, grandfather um, was a man, uh, Wilhelm Jakob Schwab, I think his name was, Um, uh, Wilhelm Jakob Gottfried Schwab, and he was known as Gottfried Schwab. Uh, He he was uh, someone who had given up his German nationality to become Swiss and then come back to Germany and be like, I'm going to be German again. And so there was a lot of that in the south of Germany. What people don't realize is that area they're in, the Baden-Württemberg area, um, where, where this is all based on where Schwab would grow up um through part of his life. This is a very rich area in German. The Schwobian people, that's Upper Schwabia. He is Schwab himself. A lot of people chose the Schwab name when they went to move to Schwabia. So a lot of it is like it's Klaus of Schwab, you know, of Schwabia. Um a lot of the Schwobian people are the most rich and powerful people to this very day. When uh, Germans um, march against the elites uh, in Germany, um, in Berlin and places like that where they don't have so much money, because you'd think that the the the, the uh, capital of any country would be where the money was. Well, in Berlin, they don't have so much money, and they're out holding signs saying down with the Schwobians. Down with the Schwobians, they're the people who are holding us down. They're the elites. That's where the swang um, university. Uh, it is all, uh, the one that is uh, really just one of the elite universities of the world. I can't quite remember what it's called, which is really annoying. Um, it, but it's a place where um, Eckhart von Kunzberg, who's Laura Kunzberg's father, went and um, Laura Kunzberg's uh, uh, political editor for the BBC. Um, uh, Prince Philip, uh, the Queen's dead husband, Um, and I'm not going to say God rest his soul. Uh, Those, you know, very rich people uh, went to this very rich elite. It's a very strange school as well. Even nowadays, they split um, all. uh, You go there and you don't have like large classes or stuff. You have these small groups of six um, and they each have a tutor and each have a house math and each have things and they're really focused on to make them the best in their area when they go into the wider world. Um, So this is a very rich area. This Schwobia, Upper Schwabia, is known as being an extremely rich area. And these guys, um, uh, Eugen Schwab didn't manage to get away. um, Instead, he stayed in Germany and became part of some trade council, uh, very similar to the World Economic Forum, in a sense. It could have been like the start of what they were seeing as the best route. Klaus Schwab, as he was growing up, um, would... Klaus Schwab, you know, you can't. You, lots of people at the start when I was reading this was like, I bet you he was a Nazi in the war. And he would have been like four years old in the middle of the war, three years old. So I mean, how how much how, how Nazi you can be when you're three years old, is obviously, it's, it's crazy. So I, I knew that, but it was a fact that his father was the manager of a, a model Nazi company. And when I say model Nazi company, um, a book was produced every year by the Nazis. So every four months, I think it was, it was like a, 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 every season, they'd have a list of model Nazi companies that would be, would be there to say, oh look at these wonderful guys who were doing the Fuhrer's bidding etc well that's what it means by model Nazi company so it's not like they were the best most Naziest company in the world or in all of Germany or in the whole of the Reich because that was bigger than Germany um, it, it, was, it, it was just that they were uh, part of it, the, they agreed with it and Ravensburg where the uh, German base was where Eugen Schwab was working during the Nazi time was a really interesting uh, place in itself because it didn't get attacked at all during the war. And you would think that um, a, a place where a factory with so much importance was based, because they knew what was going on um, in Ravensburg. They they were well aware, um, but they didn't get it because Red, they didn't bomb it because the Red Cross had, had managed to allow them amnesty, you know, the Swiss Red Cross from across the border. And you see a lot of this during the wars where you've got like the main research centres are kind of like not touched by the Other sides, and that's partially because I think they were trying to infiltrate them to find out the knowledge. And so, this is a very interesting thing that comes from this as well: is that the idea of oh, they'll keep doing something; they'll keep allow to someone to do something evil, so that they can see how to do it and have it themselves. That is so beyond evil that I can't even, you know, you know that evil's happening, and you choose instead to try and take a bit of that evil. I mean, that's so like that's Lord of the Rings that's like the 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 desperation to put on that ring you know um so during this time during the war uh they, they were obviously nazis but Klaus Schwab can't necessarily be called a nazi afterwards can he well eventually he would be working in youth groups helping what he says um you know people forgive in France the Germans and forgive for what what happened during the war, which is very convenient for someone whose father was head of a model Nazi company. Um, And then he would start, um, he would go to ITH Zurich, a few other uh, universities as well, and he would start to um, uh, get degrees after degrees after degrees after degrees after honour after honour after honour after more things. They just threw things at him after a while within about a six seven year period he must have had like 15 degrees and honors which is just bizarre and obviously no one can so he was obviously seen as someone special um and that was spotted obviously in america because then he was sent over to harvard at probably about i think it was 1967 ish time he was sent over to harvard where he would be uh, uh, the one of the main uh, pupils, you know, he, his tutor was Henry Kissinger himself. You can't make these things up, you know. Henry Kissinger would teach Klaus Schwab the way of things, and then Klaus Schwab would read a couple of books. I don't remember what the books are. And I don't think they're necessarily that important because I think, in a sense, that he, he always says, "Oh, and then this guided me, or this guided me," but he's misguiding you in saying that he's trying to put you off the scent a little bit because what the real thing is is he had the opportunity then to go back to escher vice which was uh, merging into with a company called schulzer ag and schulzer escher vice would become a company that would eventually just become schulzer ag itself um and escher vice name would disappear you know that lovely wonderful brand that you've got with a Schwarz sticker on can go away well you know with the imprint of the short sticker on at least its image um so so they, they Klaus Schwab would head up this merger. He would go to his father's old company and he would become the second in charge and be the one who does redesigns all of this. And this um, was a really important period because this is a period where the South Africans then were looking to gain exactly the same thing. They were looking to use heavy water to produce some sort of nuclear Bomb in this case. Um, at first, that worked, they worked out that wouldn't work out quite right. I think they had to use something different heavy water. But basically, Klaus Schwab was there. Schulze, Escheva, uh, Schulze AG would be focusing on helping the South African regime gain. The nuclear bomb. And then, I, I mean, a lot of the Swiss, uh, I, about 10 years later, the Swiss would come out with a massive report on it, a massive, like, official government um, inquiry into the whole affair. And it would expose uh, that the South, that Eschen and, and a couple other companies helped the South African regime gain nuclear weapons illegally when it was against international law. And while Schwab was there doing this, helping, doing the same thing, walking the same path. Exactly. Exactly, not just a little bit. He's not just like he's, it's even a step up the, the atomic, uh, a German atomic bomb uh, project. If it had succeeded, had created something, it wouldn't be nowhere near what a nuclear bomb would be. You know, this was a step up again. This is about the progression of technology for Schwab and him and his father and the relationships they've had in their careers were very, uh, very similar. So, so by this point, he's obviously proven himself to the establishment and, And that's when he's really approached to set up the World Economic Forum and I can't remember the selection of people who did approach him, but you can imagine there's many more behind the scenes uh, because this was a really important project. And he says uh, it was first. The first World Economic Forum was in 1971, um, and it was him and his new wife Hilde Stahl who um, had uh, set it up at first. And you know, the first year they said was really exciting. The second year was hard, and then the third year was when it really began. And if you look at what happened. In the third year of this in the 1973 um uh world economic forum which i mentioned in the article of course you start seeing the true agenda of uh these people when the club of rome is a key speaker one of the members of the club of rome and basically he's saying we've got to kill them all we've got to get rid of the population drive it down we've got to use climate change and all of these different things to scare people into not having it. and we've got to decrease the population over and over and over and over again and push away at this um and it's all based upon really what a malfusion idea that that the, the population becomes too big so that there's not enough resources and we're always on a struggle now with the modern world that shouldn't really uh exist because we're going into like macro farming or whatever however you say it and we'll have Have the resources, we can able to create the resources, but they've still got this mindset. Their whole, uh, every single one of their systems are based on this mindset, it seems. And it seems like it's very hard for them to change out of that. Um, way of thinking. So Schwab has been an extremely interesting person to study. And what was more interesting was the fact that there was nothing about him, for such, one of the most powerful and famous people, there was nothing about him. Um, and I, I really I wasn't surprised that it that article went really far. And I think it's really important. I know that it's people like Vera Sharav, uh, who's a Holocaust survivor, has uh, has brought it up uh, on multiple occasions. And I feel I feel like blessed to have had the opportunity opportunity. opportunity to write that piece. I don't, I, 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 I could cry. I could cry i could cry because i know that it's not only important to me but it's important for other people to understand and for important because you see when you write a piece that goes back into the times where you're talking looking at persecution from the 1500s and you're looking at genocide and you're looking at people being worked to death in slave camps honestly you cannot disconnect from it while you're there while you're inside it and i i feel i i do feel very uh pleased With how that ended up. I feel more that
0: it was an important um, piece of work that needed to be out there. Listening to you is like listening to a graduate level lecture you just there's so much uh you have to say that you've re- you've read and, and researched and I would agree with you when I read I, f- I put myself in the in the shoes of people in history and I've mentioned before that I've, I've been told that my grandfather was a Nazi prisoner for six months he survived uh, in, in Yugoslavia because croatia for three years became a, a Nazi croatian regime from 1941 to 1944 um but I, I just wanted to jump ahead before I ask you about your new article in the welcome trust uh, you were just kind of discussing the club of Rome and their malthusian plans and you know plans That have been around for since the 1800s, right, and mainly centered in in, in Britain. And uh, you know, my talking about what's going on, my view has always been that uh, you know the trajectory we have been on, that the global elites have been you know thinking about for ages, has been that of a sort of dystopian world government. And you know, COVID 1984 for me seems to be the vehicle to accomplish this or try to, and the manifestation of this sort of biofascist, technocratic global system and essentially to create a digital system of you know global social credit with which then they can carry out any other things that they would like to. And for me, this is kind of the heart of the matter, what's, what's really going on. And I kind of brush aside um, some of the other stuff. You've said you try to investigate uh, other areas uh, that are not being licked Looked into. I saw your recent interview with uh, Reiner um the Corona investigations. And so, for you, what are some of the key aspects uh, most important to uh, COVID nineteen eighty four? And how would you kind of explain what what's really going on? Okay, so it's um
1: it's 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 really nice for you to say that when you hear me, it's like listen to uh, someone who's like a great. I I do you know I have um uh, I I wasn't very good in school because I was a very terrible naughty boy always always have been a naughty boy which is what's led me here partially i wanted to do english history they did not let me do english and history i have zero qualifications everything i've had to learn has had to be with Understanding that these people are going to keep me a slave all the time, and I've got to spend all the rest of my time learning and learning and learning and learning and understanding what they're doing. Because, I mean, I was in it six years ago. I was still within something, and I'm, I'm leading on to something here, very important. I'm sorry, my puppy's going off again. Um, yeah. I was, le- uh, you know, I, I was entering into a very important. It was 2014, 2015, and I I was completely fed up with politics in general. Of course, politics is, was was killing me but um i I opened up my eyes to a, a a lot of things and it led me down the road and it's led me down the road where today i can look back on all of um my understanding of how politics is through uh my knowledge and my experience and these very simple things to understand right now i live in britain And in Britain, since 1997 till uh, 2016, so for nearly 20 years, we were completely ruled by the World Economic Forum undercover. And that seems like over the top to say. That seems like a mental thing to say. And loads of people would say, well, no, that how's that? Well, in... The, the World Economic Forum for the first 10 years of its creation were joining together all of the forces and making sure that, um, that they knew that the elites and everybody knew that that was the place to go, that was going to be the centre of power now, uh, at least within the European area for the global expansion, like that, that's the European centre of the globalist expansion through the 80s then they were looking at how to recruit the future leaders and through the 90s they were recruiting the future's leaders, by 1992 they had the world economic forum young global leaders and they were training the future leaders of our country by 1997 on the 2nd of march i think it was tony blair would be elected the first young global leader He would choose uh, Gordon Brown to go alongside him, who would follow him after he left office. Another World Economic Global leader. In opposition at the time of these were William Hague, another World Economic Forum Global leader. The only World Economic Global leader who wasn't during this time was uh, one of the Conservatives who was there for a very small amount of time before Cameron. Cameron, young, global Leader for the World Economic Forum, both sides. Who was going to be challenged him? Ed Miliband and Ed Balls on the other side as the opposition party eventually after Gordon Brown. What are they? Both World Economic Forum, Young Global Leaders. What happened when Jeremy Corbyn came along? He wasn't a World Economic Forum Young Global Leader. They got another World Economic Forum, Young Global Leader, to come alongside him and acted like he was they uh, that she was a friend to him. And her name is Shami Chakrabarti and loads of people would find it amazing because she's a human rights lawyer and all nice and all lovely she was there supporting this this new candidate who wasn't owned by the elites world economic forum young global leader all of them all of them every single one of them have been trained groomed put into these positions in germany you've got merkel young global leader putin Young global leader, Uh, Trudeau, young global leader, Macron, young global leader, Sarkozy, young global leader. You're talking about every single position of power over a 19 year period in my country was completely and utterly provably a scam with the same puppets on both sides, with the World Economic Forum above them pulling the strings very nice and easy. And what happened when Jeremy Corbyn came in? There was a big revolt, a big coup. Loads of the people in Labour started stepping out and saying no, like Shuka Muna, World Economic Forum, young global leader, Chuka Muna. And where did all of the rebels start getting jobs after the rebellion, this fairly successful rebellion to hurt his name? Edelman Pierre, the right hand of Klaus Schwab in the World Economic Forum is where they go to work afterwards. Our whole system, our whole democracy, at least in my country for sure, is a scam is a sham it's completely and utterly owned and manipulated to a level that no one in britain has a clue about they all think they've been voting in elections that are free and fair every single one of their leaders have been selected by klaus schwab and the world economic forum seeded into place so my idea of where we are now and where the future is is we're done we're done. This is already, we are, and I've said this in in, in um, uh interview the other day, we are late to the party. We are really late to the party. We've got to catch up. We have let them run us through by quite simply them using everything that scares us, the fear of virtue, really. and uh, That's what they've been doing, like the fear of not looking virtuous to other people is what they've used for the past 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years to control this agenda that we're coming into now the virus agenda that, that has been going it's not a new thing either this has been running for 130 years you go all the way back and i, I another thing i talked about only recently that I, I'm, I'm making a, a documentary on this that i'm hoping to get other people to work with because i'm not very good at making the documentary so i need some help with it um and and basically it's controller virus uh, isolating death. And it's the idea that if you go back right to the start, when people started understanding how to isolate these viruses, you can trace it all through. And I tell you what, every single one of the actors at the beginning in the 1890s onwards, for the next 20 years, uh, Russia, Daniel Zabalotny, um, China, uh, Dr. Wu, um, Le Tian, Lian Tian, I think his name was, um, uh, D- America, Dr. Strong, and British Reginald Ferrar. Those four main actors, they were, all employed by trusts and foundations and other groups hidden away behind the scenes. They were all disconnected from governments, and that was seen as a good thing. You know, the Russian government when they sent um, Daniel Zabolotny to the 1911 Manchurian conference uh, in China after the the plague, the bubonic plague outbreak there. Um, I think it wasn't bubonic; it was it was uh, it was infectious. I can't remember quite how how you say it. And um, when when they sent him, they said, "Oh." he has nothing to do with the government. This isn't political at all. No, he wasn't. He's this separate entity that the government detaches from itself and puts over here so it can do all of the nastiest stuff that is about depopulation, about uh, testing and experimenting on humans so that they can have better medication later at our expense. You know, these agendas have been there for over 100 years, and we are so late to the party on every single front.
0: Yeah, I would totally agree with you. I was going to read your a tweet you put out recently say, stating that in the 70s, the World Economic Forum was gathering the elites together, mapping out their agenda. The 80s was spent planning and organizing the initial recruitment of future leaders. The 90s saw the training and installation of those leaders. And from then, democracy has been dead. And I've been catching some criticism for this, for having such a, I guess, realistic, pessimistic view, but I think things are really bad i i i I totally agree with you and i I mean listeners should be thinking about this it's it it, it is <laughs> really bad and um I guess it's circling back to the question of the viruses. I mean I had this question as well I'm between thinking um i mean for me, there is no pandemic by definition which way you, mm-hmm. whichever way you cut it and the question becomes I've interviewed great guests uh, I've had on to, to discuss this, but one version is that. That this is a gain of function, it it can't be natural. So it's either a gain of function, you know, biological weapon, or it's one giant false flag uh, operation where uh, there never is was a virus, and it was just you know government policies and hospital protocols that did the most damage to people over the last two years. I mean, what are your thoughts uh, on that? I think that if
1: we look at it basic and simple, um, what they say, (laughs) um, what they say now, what they start to say now we would all happily think it's a virus that was released probably by accident from a Wuhan lab uh, ended up causing mayhem. Now they the, that would still mean that they've covered it up and they've, they've done it publicly and stuff. So that's still going to lead them down a road of hell, which is a road they're traveling now because there's no way out of it. I, I think there's something much more complicated. I've been doing some research into this. I've been talking to some people. There's some people who are writing some fantastic articles on some stuff that happened around that included another virus um, and they, they, there's a lot of people who believe that, and, and there's a lot of evidence to be said that the, the amount of mutations and stuff, that there's not just one leak, that there were multiple leaks, um, there were multiple viruses and the PCR sham the idea of being able just to test a very small portion at a really high rate and then you can pull anything out of the air, you can pull unicorns out of, uh, out of it as, as was famously said, well th- that that has been used to mask that there's multiple problems. Because one person, uh, um, I think it was Chris Martinson, said that um, I heard him say that Omicron um, was uh, has masses of mutations, doesn't come from nature. And that's a whole other debate that we've got to have on another occasion. Well, I think we're, we're already at the point where we've got so many debates and it's so unclear what's happened. And uh, there is a, there. I mean, I'm I'm starting to worry that maybe it was a malicious release of virus by someone who works within a lab, and it wasn't just one virus. And that's why we saw the Italian um, thing look different than the rest, and that's why we've had so many different mutations of variants that that have been able to be displayed. I think also a lot of it is that the more mutations of variants they show us, the more likely they're gonna we're gonna be scared, and so that's what they want to do as well. Um, um the the fact is is that it seems that uh, i i've uh, I, I believe I caught Delta to start. Um, I believe that was in February time. Um, and I, I, I even videoed myself uh, coughing up and stuff. I didn't, I've never released it and stuff, just to keep my record of it for myself. Oh, my dog's really unhappy at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> sorry about that, people. <laughs> She's not being tortured. She's just very angry. she be very annoyed, Um, but, but it's really hard to work out. For us as uh, as people on the ground it's really hard to work out we can only go by the information we got and what we've got is information that there's at least two viruses that have mutations that um or at least inserts with the one virus um that seem extremely suspicious and everything it's like 99.9 percent that came from a lab the other one hasn't even been analyzed properly yet and i think it's
0: dodgy as hell as well yeah i'm not sure i i'd agree with you Uh, and there's a lot of people that say uh, no, it's, you know, what do you call it? Terrain theory or or this or that. And I'm like, it's it's really hard to say. It, we can't say for, for sure what's going on. I just wanted to go back. Um, I had a question on the global leaders. You know, we clearly see that uh, the Anglo-American establishment is much involved in all of this. You, you detailed, you know, the European aristocracy. Um, you've also in your article talked about the, the welcome man, the welcome man um welcome trusts man in china uh and I just the question on you know where does the multipolar world china and russia fit in because uh, you you know you mentioned here here he is i got my putin and or- orban were um young global leaders and they are implementing the same things there so it it you know it really seems like there's no one to defend us you said democracy is dead it, it doesn't seem like there are any non w e f global global Uh, leaders remaining. I mean, what are your thoughts? Yeah, Yeah. it's really hard to see a way out of
1: this because really they've made... I, I think in the '90s was such an amazing time. It was such an amazing time, and I think they wanted to create something really special to start in the millennium. And the, you know, all of, if you were, lived through the '90s, and I was, I was about 11 when the Berlin Wall fell, and it was amazing to watch. I was a big David Hasselhoff fan, anyway, so <laughs> I liked Night Rider when I was a kid. You know, um, so 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 like you know, it was an amazing spectacle, and a lot of that then became the creation of a narrative a wider narrative and a story that people identified with and they carried along with but none of that story has been true um the you know putin uh, getting into power i mean all of these guys have intelligence links and i think behind the scenes what we have is intelligence agencies running most of the show and putting people who they can trust into power in their positions now when we talk about russia um and and that well I, there's two things number one you see from things like uh, the cyber polygon uh, simulations that um, uh, which were very similar to event 201 etc that um, that they're right you know, on board with the agenda and they're down with the people they're on board with the World Economic Forum and the Americans are all involved with that too so they can not act like they're on separate teams they've, never, they've not been on separate teams for a long time I think that if you go back to the 20s and 1920s you see the agenda written down in about 19 19- 23, where they say they, you know, these um, big societies like Rhodes uh, Trust and stuff, they wanted to have uh, the world split into three blocks: so Anglo-American bloc, which you can imagine all the countries in there, Australia and Canada, America and Britain, uh, etc., uh the uh european block and the the russian block which now would be the brick block so i think they've they've kind of looked at that still they kind of look at this main three main power structures being the best way to then kind of like cause fear amongst the other power blocks that one's going to attack or the other's going to attack and it's like an orwellian downhill uh thing so you know you can't stop it at all and and yeah uh, i i i'm not sure i'm not sure what to say about russia because to be honest i i all i see is an act now all i see is an act
0: yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I've been covering that on this podcast for a while. Um, what do you think? Uh, you know, I mentioned the social credit system, technocracy, you know, transhumanism. With everything that they're doing now, what is their ultimate uh, end game? Whew. Well, I, you know, a lot of people I've talked to think the end
1: game looks something like a biblical apocalypse, <laughs> and and I, they're probably not too far from the truth. I think the end game is about um them having more resources for themselves and enough people to look after them, uh, but uh, beaches free so that they can go to the beaches and not be bothered by plebs, what they would call the le- lower class or et cetera. I, I, I think the agenda is simple. They're going to keep pushing and pressurizing in all different ways, using all different means. It's not just going to be about virus. It's not just going to be about war. Um, it, it's going to be about lots of ways to push people into larger cities, uh, make them more vulnerable uh, to, to their their little... Attacks that they do on society in those cities, but um, uh, they're, they're clearing house at the moment, um, and we're the house. Uh, we got to remember that, like in Britain, you know, we believe that we're overpopulated, but you know, ninety eight percent of this country is not built on at all. Uh, it's been fed to us that that there's no land or anything left, and we're 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 just on the edges of everything that's quite. That's not so the, the countryside that you're, you you can't go live on and etc is being destroyed by these people at the same time is being uh, gutted um, it cut down forests uh, oil uh, fracked everything and they want to keep you out of that they don't want you to see what they're doing and at the same time they're going to say give us your money so we can protect the climate um, and they're going to point at each other and all our divisions and we're going to fight We got to do what you were saying to start that parallel structure thing. It seems really hard, but I've started just by saying, okay, simply I'm going to go out into the community and I'm going to talk to people. And I'm going to see, see, maybe one day it'll get to a point where I'll be like, well, I've got this and you've got that. How about we swap it at the moment? We just got to get on with each other and talk because a lot of people have very um views that have been given to them through this agenda over a long time. I was talking to a lady in the park the other day who said, yeah, we're all overpopulated and we probably should get rid of a load of humans. You know, and that's a really nice woman. I really mean it. She's a really lovely lady. She had no idea what she was saying. I I I listen to these people, really nice people, saying this stuff, and they just don't hear it. They don't see what they're doing. They don't see that they're wrapped up in it. And if you poke away, you'll hear all the same talking points and keywords come up. And none of it's real. None of it's real. They're living in a, a, a fake reality, um, and they are being blasted all the time. I mean, if you're not allowed to be able to um, uh, build a logical brain, <laughs> like uh, basically, uh, you know, a, a thought pattern that allows you to process logic, then you're doomed. <laughs> in this environment, you're just getting hit all of the time with the illogical and absurd. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, for a lot of people, the the the, the Truth is only found in looking at the past masters and philosophers like um, Camus and people, if you talk about absurdity, um and, and seeing, seeing uh, even going back as far as uh, Socrates and Aurelius and people like that, learn the fundamentals about your life and how to communicate with people, how to reflect on your own behavior, your own actions in life, because I can tell you, we all, me included, we all fail. On loads of occasions, uh, we need to work together to become better because these guys are going to try and make work very hard to make us become worse. And we need to develop that within our communities. We need to start being really strong and saying no to um, people because at the moment we are uh, victims of abuse. We're yeah. victims of mental abuse, physical abuse, chemical abuse, all sorts of abuse. You name it, we we we've been abused, and it's all been coming from one uh, higher up section of society who really
0: loves to play with the the silly little uh, people on the ground. Um, uh, yeah, I'd go back and say classical education uh, is key. A lot of people are now getting into that uh, classical uh, education, and since you mentioned the parallel. Uh, structures. Uh, I just, you know, we, I talk a lot about that uh, online in the podcast and, and offline with people and Derek Bros of Conscious Resistance just posted something today that was really good saying that, you know, we're going to have to leave uh, the cities because they're going to be- become technocracies, smart grids, social credit systems, and yeah. life will become really untenable. And uh, I, I've been around some places in Mexico and have seen people going for to rural areas, and I've been in communication with people in other countries going to rural areas. And so, as you said, people who understand what's happening uh, were able to prepare uh, in advance uh, of the things that are coming. And that also helps with the the normies, let's say um, uh, COVID Central, which some of my guests have said, uh, branch COVIDians, um, that (laughs) they see you anticipate events successfully. uh, And that, again, gives you more credibility because like wow Mm -hmm. how did this person know this was coming and they prepared for it maybe they're not so crazy after all and that goes back to what you were saying in the beginning uh just any other thought on preparing and and parallel structures parallel economies parallel uh, societies maybe yeah what you've seen other people doing you know people uh, there's
1: a couple of things you say there. number one Derek rose and people are doing really good work they're doing really good work i cannot fault that sort of stuff at all i mean that's brilliant um and one of the things you say there is really important as well. While they're trying to push us into the city, what we've got to do is the opposite of whatever they try and do. So they try and push us into the city. We've got to push out of the city. They want to surround us with dangerous technology. We've got to bring down the dangerous technology. You know, we've got to find a ways around everything they do. and We've got to fight back in some way. Um, but we've also got to, to, to purposely um, uh, go against what they do. Because that's what a parallel structure is really anyway. You'll find a parallel structure by opposing an authoritarian rule with a uh, rule of freedom. <laughs> no rule. It, it doesn't have to be um, a complete anarchy and mayhem like they would paint it, because in actual fact, anarchy is a really peaceful idea. Um, it's just, it's being given uh, a bad, uh, a bad. like all of these words, like all of these things, like, uh, I mean, to, to, if you go into a court, you got you're dealing with conspiracies every crime is a conspiracy and yet if you go outside to court and pick up a newspaper you'd think it's crazy to believe in conspiracies and you could like literally flipping out
0: out in and out of that paradigm all day long in court i, I was just thinking today uh secretary of state uh or uh anthony blinken was at the un today saying Russia's going to carry out false flag operations and i'm thinking all my life up until now if I talk about false flag operations, I'm a conspiracy theorist. So what you use government as a conspiracy theor- theorist? They're talking about false flag operations. Very interesting. You say that because
1: the British, uh, uh, one of the British guys was on Channel 4 yesterday talking about false flag operations as well. And I was like, what the hell is going on here? I, would, I had to rewind it because I didn't think he said false flag. He couldn't have said false flag, really, because they, they've, they've, but this is something else they're trying to do. They, they try and just rebrand everything they do, they rebrand it as something um, and anything they attack. So they attack you for something, and then they'll rebrand themselves as the thing they've attacked you as within the next year. So you never know what where they're going to attack them from. Blinken's terrible. Uh, his brother was um, uh, a U- uh, Belgian ambassador uh, when all of the kids stuff was going on there where kids were being held in in basements and tortured to death and stuff by a very small group and that all happened around the American Embassy Well, the Blinken brother, I think Andrew Blinken is his brother, was ambassador and I always find that really, because I, I followed that quite a little bit and I always found it weird that no one ever looked at the American side because if you actually look at their connections, they all connected from below to child traffickers in some way, shape or form. Um, uh, again there's a whole rabbit to go down there though sorry
0: i got distracted yeah. yeah no no yeah um all good uh i had a question also going back to the vaccine issue um don't worry i mean we can speak freely i, w- I just got a strike yesterday on youtube so i can't <laughs> upload for a week but we're on many other video platforms and this goes out to the audio podcast where everyone can listen to freely um you know for me there's this insane aggressive push to vaccinate us literally like 10 times it's not like one and done it's just li- countries are talking about six times nine you know mm-hmm. 10 times and this should immediately put put us all off and realize that something is greatly uh, amiss and it's the carrot and stick approach is, is telling you know first they attempt to bribe us into vaccinating and then they attempt to completely destroy our lives lives if we don't you know fi- firing us from our jobs denying the ability to buy food to travel and in some cases locking us in our homes and this de facto tells me not to take any injections and i do think the vaccines are meant to harm us Uh, i think uh, as you said the malthusian the population uh, aspect i also think they are the pretext for the digital passport social credit system um you've in your article pointed to quote the glaring warning signs that the same old agenda of population control via mass extermination is rearing its ugly head again end quote so what are your thoughts uh, on these vaccination campaigns their purposes and and so on First of all, I'd I'd
1: say if you um if you have to take more than one of the same vaccine it's not an effective vaccine at all, is it? I mean, if you have to take four of them and you have to take them all the time and then 10 and et cetera, it's just, that's no longer an effective vaccine. You have got to question it because if you look at the data, what you discover is that um, uh, all around the country in the UK, for instance, uh, different, slightly different altered versions of the Pfizer vaccine were being sent. And so uh, like as batches, Uh, which would have a different effect in different areas. And within the experiments, I think there were experiments going on. So I think, you know, this is a lot more complicated. And once you realise or once you come to terms with the fact that these people have been willing to experiment on us, um, at the great risk, including bringing in children, which I think is unforgivable and the reason why I have no, I have no sympathy for any of these guys in any way. I don't have, I can't even excuse as You come down to lower levels and find it hard to Excuse me, because children. This is children. I I do think that they 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 are uh, they've been made um, to just try out stuff. So they need to see how mRNA works in a big way, and they had to take and they think it's the the they think this is the one. This must be the one. Now we've researched so much mRNA must be the way everything fails with it all the time it always goes wrong but if we just get it right this could be change everything and you know it's that mindset that i think is uh, has led to be like a bit of a rolling ball um that's led us to this point and uh, why they push the mRNA stuff uh the fact that it doesn't leave your system straight away the fact that it creates um, a toxic spike protein which is the point of it doing i mean They've done so many different, um, uh, they've done so much research and experiment, uh, experiments on su- stuff like this that they can also, um, have things that activate other things. So we don't know if they're putting something inside us that later on they could activate with something else and that ends you, that ends you straight away. So, I mean, this is really serious because this is 90% of the population or something. Eventually, once they push down on everybody and it's really, it's really, it, it's coming undone because people are starting to see it around them. They're starting to realize that, yeah, so what? Four members of their family had the cold for a week, but uh, those two members of the family over there are either dead or like have heart problems or et cetera. You know, there's, there's, it's, they, they always say, oh, it's like, you know, you either, you, you, you've got a you've got to like, it's, you've got to have a payoff you've got to have a you've got to have some sort of like way up to what's important and what's uh what you're going to achieve by this and this is so unbalanced this whole system this whole process has been so unbalanced that um i don't think they even know what they're doing anymore i think they started off doing something so quickly and excited and they were so desperate to do it and they Enforced all the laws. And I think now it's run out of control and they realize it hasn't worked. It hasn't been the big thing. It's not going to be ready for a long time. They're going to have to do this over and over again. If they're going to want to get it ready in a long time. This was hubris. This was a lot of scientific hubris. Oh, we're the ones at this point when the technology changes. So it must be us who will introduce the technology and who cares if it's safe? Well, one day this technology may be introduced. By people who know how to do something and have done their research properly and understand the bad bits. And, but that's not now. And it's, I don't think it's even going to be for the next 10 years. If the example of what they've done with mRNA is that vaccine is nowhere near cooked. Um, and they've done a lot of damage. Done a lot of damage. I feel really sad, really, really sad, because I talk to people uh, regularly. Like I say, I talk to people who have had the vaccines, but I also talk to people who still believe that the vaccines are wonderful. And one guy who interested me the other day said to me that, "Oh yeah, but if we hadn't had the vaccines and it had been bad, then you know everybody would have been up in arms." I I, I just said, "Yeah, but then." your mass
0: murderer
1: there's nothing else you can say to that you you're, you're. You, you you've done it then. You you've said either either we leave it to nature to decide and our natural immunities, and we understand it, and we see if we can come up with a vaccine that works. And if we can't, then we don't do that. We just go along the, the normal routes and we look at early treatments and all of those things, uh, like the famous early treatment that's seventy five percent effective and 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 put off as horse horse murdering juice or whatever.
0: <laughs> um, these these this is a mad. We're in a mad place we're in a mad place yeah mad scientists um uh, we don't have very much time left but we didn't get to your new article and i'm always stressing myself as a former adjunct professor and high school educator i read a lot and i I, and i know many of my students at the university level and uh, high school level most did not put in the time to do the reading that is required but like the stuff that you discuss and i discuss We really need to spend a lot of the the boring time sitting and and reading. And so I'm going to recommend people read your, you know, Schwab family values if they haven't from a year ago and the new article that you put out, you have to do that legwork. It might be boring. Uh, I know some people prefer consuming content like audio podcasts Mm -hmm. or video uh, interviews, but you have to read. You can't not read. Um, And just very... uh, Briefly, you know, if you could just comment on uh, just in a few minutes your your new piece on the origins of of COVID control. Uh, Of course, you know, it began in Britain, the home of eugenics. You discussed the Wellcome Trust. I think Whitney has talked about, uh, wrote an article previously um, discussing the Wellcome Mm -hmm. Trust. Um, And you you also discussed how it's not the only group of its kind that during COVID, other such groups were operating in parallel to manufacture global consent for this new uh, authoritarian model you detail uh five people uh how there's you know links to the uk ministry of defense Uh, you call it also medical autocracy so you know just briefly in a you know a few minutes what what's something key that we should know about welcome trust
1: okay the welcome trust uh which was really brought into the the state it was by a merger with glaxo it, it, during the merger with glaxo smith klein and other companies in the 90s welcome trust became something it is today which is the biggest research in um uh funding research funding group in the world really um they have uh, they have so much money so wealthy um they originally come from a guy called henry welcome who invented things like pills and stuff you know invent modern pharmaceuticals as we know it they've they've had quite a history and uh, they were the people behind uh, burroughs welcome which was the american um chain in uh the 80s was uh, also behind the azt gene killing uh, aids therapy which was much more just like killing people by giving them the drug um, th- these people have been really important uh they've pushed on an agenda some the five people i've covered are Richard sites who was the head of that merger and made the Wellcome Trust into what is, but also had a massive um, effect on loads of other things. He's also been the person who is in charge of the entire vaccine rollout in the UK and head of the UK Vaccine Task Force. He, uh, in the 90s, would uh, recruit multiple people alongside Roy Anderson, who was the head of the Wellcome Trust in the 90s. Um, he was someone who um, headed up the foot and mouth disease uh, response in Britain in 2001, taking over from Tony Blair by using models created by his apprentice Neil Ferguson Neil Ferguson everybody knows I think Neil Ferguson produced the models at the beginning of COVID that showed 500,000 people would die in the UK alone uh, completely exaggerated he'd also done that for 20 years before over loads of different things from the introduction of computer modeling by Roy Anderson and Neil Ferguson during the foot and mouth disease that was the first time it was really put out to use as fear propaganda in the 90s also was recruited uh, uh, Holmes and Farrar, about ninety-four, both um, at Oxford, um, where there was a welcome, Trust Oxford-linked uh, um, uh, uh, research project or or project going on, um, a recruitment project, really, because Holmes was in charge of uh, one of the things he was in charge of, and he was in charge of many of these grant schemes, was giving out uh, thirty, uh, recruiting thirty-five. 35- of the very top elite graduates for complete career-long funding. I mean, these guys started owning science. They started owning. They started purchasing it in the mid-90s. They started purchasing scientists through extremely lucrative grants. Um, before the foot-and-mouth disease outbreak that Roy Anson and, and Neil Ferguson would front up, um, there had been no foot-and-mouth in Britain for 30 years. And four months before the outbreak happened, they transferred the facility, took over 70 researchers, all funded by the Wellcome Trust and started studying foot and mouth disease um, completely out of the blue, and then suddenly were forefront of responding to foot and mouth disease. These guys have been on the forefront of a lot of the things. Jeremy Farrar, of course, he headed up the Proximal Origin, uh, the organization of Proximal Origin, the SARS CoV 2 paper, which covered up the leak from Wuhan, but he was also um, responsible for the entire um, Western <laughs> response, which is amazing to say, um, given uh, above Fauci and Witty, um, which was shown in the buzz news feed uh buzz feed news emails or however it's said um basically uh he was gonna be in charge of all the entire response uh financing and uh advising for the entire uh, pandemic um which would of course these these would then be um templates for loads of all of the other countries who couldn't afford such um fancy uh organizations to to do these sort of things so they would be spread out and this would influence the rest of the world this fight these five men these five men should not unelected men should not have that sort of un- that accountability and power all of them have so many different links i've written the article up in two ways so you can read it on johnnyvedmore.com 15,000 word article is a much more fun dynamic version because like you say it's hard to read the whole article so if you go over to fungi monkey so that's fungi as in fungi, fungi uh, monkey dot then you can read um, a, a version which is split up and is more interactive uh, also has white rabbits where you can go down the rabbit hole on other adventures including which includes a welcome leap article as one of the places and a podcast on it as one of the places you can go um to adventure to learn more about this amazingly dystopian um uh monopolizing uh institution foundation the welcome trust which is behind almost everything that's happened at least from britain and these guys have been used, the whole thing, the idea, these guys have been used really by the Americans to cover up this stuff because America don't want to do it themselves, <laughs> but they need someone who looks a little posh and looks a little bit. So they go to the British and say, oh, you've got nice accents, you can do it. Um, they go to the Royal Society. All of these members are, people are members of the Royal Society. The Royal Society is an organisation, I think, of about 6,000 people, it includes Elon Musk, David Attenborough, people like that. Uh, in the past, Isaac Newton and Albert Einstein. So this place got a fantastic thing they have lots of committees they do nearly all the cover ups for the Ministry of Defence in the UK and they are corrupt as hell. They are really the hidden hand behind a lot of this. So they they go and then government goes to them and they go to people like the Welcome Trust
0: who then do the job for them. Yeah, I'll I'll include all of the links uh, in the the description uh, everywhere this goes out so people can bookmark those sites, subscribe and and check them out. Um, It's funny also you mentioned how the Wellcome Trust created the template for the other countries which couldn't afford it to carry out these protocols. Uh, My past guest uh, analyst from The Spectator and uh, in Australia, uh, Rebel News, Alexandra Marshall, uh, we discussed that uh, last year and she's coming on next week also we'll be talking about this stuff and so yeah to, uh, and it's it's fun going down the rabbit hole we have to admit i think uh, for, for you and me like and all of us like finding this stuff out it, it, it is kind of fun depressing but still kind of exciting hey <laughs> it's also constant <laughs> yeah uh, any final thought for,
1: for us then um my final thought is my puppy is going to be so angry with me. <laughs> no, um, I, I, I would just say you got to be positive. you got to believe that there is going to be change. And you've, you've got to be brave enough to speak with the people calmly. I know it's really annoying when people tell you things that they think are facts, and you know they're not facts, and you've seen the data, and they don't know what they're talking about. And they're just repeating the same old sources. Well, be patient. Be understanding. Understand these guys are really lost in a, a world, and they they need to be brought out of it in each in a very individual, unique way, and that's the real key. There's no there's no quick uh, solution. You will fail over and over again with some people to try and make them understand or or give them a clue to what's going on. You've got to start small. You've got to start by showing them something that will they will never be able to not see. <laughs> you know, once they've seen it, that's it. It's it's there that so you need to show them a selection of things like that. But you need to be calm. You need to be gentle and you need to put aside your frustration for all of the, the angst we've gone through for the past two years. Be forgiving to some people, not all of the people, uh, but be forgiving to some people. And most of all, be kind
0: without win out. I will t- totally agree with that. Uh you're at johnnyvedmore.com, uh fungymonkey.com, a hangout.com. Uh is there any other website uh you know where, where are the best places for people to find and support you?
1: No, those are those are the place at the moment at the moment I'm kind of like producing I'm I'm putting up a it's like johnnyvedmore.com's my main articles and fungymonkey is more my media stuff. That's going to be expanding and going crazy at times. I like it. Um so I, I I listen, get involved uh if you want and if you don't read an article or two and then go away and at least tell people one thing that's true. And I can promise you can find in my articles, you can find everything sourced up and I've linked everything up. So please explore an article. Don't just go and read something and get told question everything. You've heard that mentioned a long, a lot of times in the past few years really is more important than ever though. Question everything, including me, but give me a chance and then question me, because you'll find, ah, oh, God, this guy's done his research. Oh, that's annoying. <laughs> and then it'll allow you another
0: another step so you can maybe, uh, someone can maybe show someone else. That's it. All, all right, Johnny Vedmore does incredible investigation. Follow him on, on all his feeds uh, and links. They'll be in the description. Support him, put your money where uh, your mouth is. You know, the work that we do is not glamorous, nor, nor is there much money uh, in it, quite the opposite. Uh, thank you, Johnny, for being on Geopolitics and Empire.